0: Hello and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London's Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host Jesse Parker Humphreys, joined today for the first time this season, I believe, by Rob Prattley. Rob, how are you doing? How's your season and everything been going for you?
1: Yeah, it's good. I, yeah, I think it's, it's a weird one. I was trying to work out the last time I think I came on here, I technically was a uh, actor journalist, and now I can call myself a design journalist. So mm. progress for myself. Um, not, not sure how that exactly has happened. So, you know, obligatory plug to watch the UWCL on the zone where you can enjoy Chelsea women.
0: Oh, that's a fantastically smooth segue because that's exactly what we did last night, watching Chelsea's 3-1 win over Hecken to go top of our Champions League group, finally. Um, Two matches still to play in that one. Let's just go with some initial thoughts, Rob. This was definitely a category of game where you're like, we just have to win because we were drawing for a bit and I was looking at the group and I was like, no, 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 we really we really have to win this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, re- realistically, the rule with the Champions League for any qualifications, win your home games and draw your away games and you should qualify. In the UWCL, it can be a little bit um, more complicated than that because there are so many teams that are very competitive, unless your name happens to be Lyon or Barcelona and you seem to be drawn against you know, the kindest teams possible. Um, but yeah, no, I think from Chelsea's point of view, game end of end of the year players obviously a little bit tired tough place to visit I think they were unbeaten 14 at home before yesterday again a very very well drilled side which doesn't surprise me from who their current coach is and who their former coach was and yeah just go out get the three points get the win by or by crook and come back put yourself in a great position with the final two games to go
0: yeah, exactly. I think Chelsea are in a kind of a weird position in this Champions League group where there have been games where it feels like they've played well and they haven't got results and games where they haven't played as well and they have got results. But sometimes that's sort of the way the, the cookie crumbles. And equally with Hecken, I think, as I said, after the 0-0 in All of their first three games, I thought they were pretty lucky to get seven points from them. And maybe actually this was the first time where I thought they were a bit unlucky. But again, unfortunately, you can't just live off luck forever, even though we did live off luck a little bits in this game as well. Um, Let's kick off then with with a three word match review. Damien coming in with Cuthbert conquered Hecken. I'm going to say now, guys, a lot of Cuthbert themed three word match reviews. Understandably, really. Chelsea Pride says we love Aaron. Amy goes with Aaron freaking Cuthbert. Chris goes with through will do. Rachel says tired, shaky defence. Jess says to the top. Meg comes in with Erin, Erin, Erin. Bella says merry fucking must Love that one. Uh, Chelsea SC USA goes hooray, we won. And Rob says 2023 ends nicely. I'm going to pivot a little bit to what happened on the other side of our group and say karma sucks Madrid because we will touch on it at the end. But yeah, Real Madrid did uh, confirm their exit from the group stage of the Champions League with two matches to go because they conceded a penalty that probably wasn't a penalty to Paris FC and lost 1-0. But listen, what goes around comes back around, eh? Rob, what are you going with?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I really wanted to use this in this week's newsletter and I was told I couldn't. So uh, the three lines well, that I came up with from that game was the Grim Paripa. <laughs> because every time Paris FC play at home, they seem to... Enjoy claiming victims, and that that's why I'm not looking forward to that next fixture for that exact reason. But yeah, no, I again I went vol with Scott yesterday, and I'm just going to go with that. I, Aaron Cuthbert's just phenomenal. I, I sort of said it in my own tweet. I think she's been for me the Chelsea player of 2023 across the men, across the I mean, the men, it's not you it's, know, it's hard hit <laughs> from, but across the entire club. I think she's the player who most embodies what I want Chelsea to be about, which is that sheer bloody minded grit to succeed and be good. And I think, you know, her technical ability doesn't get enough praise. She's incredibly, incredibly technical, but her best asset on the pitch is the fact that I think if you told her, you know, run through 10 brick walls, she'd just be the, you know, you'd be on brick number five before she'd even, you know, even finished the sentence.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. We'll talk about Aaron's performance in in more detail a bit later, but yeah, I thought... I thought she was fantastic. Um, I thought she was fantastic even before we got to, to the goals. Um, but yeah, a really, really complete performance from her. Nice to see her with the captain's armband by the end of the game. Uh, so yeah, we are talking about Chelsea's 3-1 win over Heckham. Goals from Sam Kerr in the 14th minute an equaliser from Clarissa Llorissi in the 26th. And then Aaron got the two winners in the 52nd and 64th minute. I don't know if you can have two winners. That sounds like something that would go to football cliché towers. Um, (laughs) But I've said it at this point, so let's carry on. It's 8.30 in the morning here in the UK when we're recording this, so that's going to be my excuse. I've only had one cup of coffee. Um, Quick look at this lineup, then. So Moussevich came back in goal. Jess Carter and Kadisha Buchanan as the centre-backs. Neve Charles and Ashley Lawrence on the full-backs. Ingle and Cuthbert as a double pivot with Lauren James ahead of them in the 10. Guru on the left, J.R.K. on the right and Sam Kerr up top. What did you make of this lineup, Rob? Um, I think the thing that kind of stood out to me is maybe this feeling that Kadisha becomes jumped back ahead of Maren Mielder in the centre-back pecking order.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, there's this mystery flu that's been running around the camp and we aren't quite sure exactly who has and hasn't had the flu and when they've had it. I think Buchanan was put in because she played well last week when uh, she came off the bench against um, Hecken, Heck, so it sort of makes sense. Um, I also don't think at the moment, like any of the defenders in the team from a defensive point of view, are really saying, Yes, I definitively need to be selected. I think it's, you know, all the spots are really up for grabs from a defensive point of view, besides maybe Jess Carter, who I think, you know, continues to produce her very, very solid performances. So, yeah, I think maybe you're seeing that, but again, it's, you know, would be typical Emma for us now not to see Buchanan for five games.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely thought the decision to play her in this game made sense with sort of the kind of uh aggression that she offers in in her willingness to step up. And definitely as the game went on, we saw Buchanan like stepping further and further up the pitch. I think at one point she was sort of dribbling into the penalty area, which kind of tells you about, you know, the way it felt like Chelsea had been told to go at the Hecken team in, in the same way that Hecken were, were kind of going at Chelsea. And I think that... um. That aggression or that step up in aggression from both sides felt very noticeable compared to the nil nil, and I think actually that's almost what allowed those little edges of quality that Chelsea have, the experience that the you know the higher level of player that meant they came out on top. So I thought that was like quite an interesting uh, decision there. Um, don't know if there's a huge amount out. I think this was a pretty expected team. Did Did you think Hannah Hampton might get a chance to stay in goal? I kind of always thought Musaevich would be back in for this.
1: I mean, I, I thought we were legally obligated to change our goalkeeper every match. I, you <laughs> know, I, I thought that was the rule. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I thought that was the case. The only one I was a little bit surprised with, um, purely just because they're trying to sort of blood her back from injury, was, I suppose right started again. Uh, I thought they might have maybe gone for James on the wing and sort of put maybe Fleming in that number 10 role. But I understand why they picked Lauren James in that number 10 role. And then conversely, I understand then why you put right out on the left-hand side. Um, I would have liked to have maybe seen Aggie Beaver-Jones get a start. I think she would have caused problems to Hecken, and especially the fact that, um again, I have their right wing-back's name, but the very quick right wing-back, who I thought came out of the tie, thinking they look a very, very good player. Uh, give me one moment, because she was picked as one of my ones to watch from uh, when I spoke to Mia Eriksson beforehand. Uh, I said, who do you recommend? And she came out with and said, uh, uh, Katrice. Uh, Katarina Kosala. I think I probably butchered the name there. But yeah, she uh, was very, very impressive again. I thought that it was a situation where maybe they sort of picked Wrighton because they hoped if she went forward, Wrighton could split the space. But Guru couldn't really get into the game.
0: Yeah, um, I think it, it Guru struggled a little bit in this one. And she's come back and she played a hell of a lot of minutes given how long she was out for. Um, she came off sort of around that... Sixty minute mark when Fleming and, and Nuskan came on, and I did think Chelsea sort of clicked into gear a bit more with with some of those subs. But we'll we'll talk about that as we go on. Quick look at the stats then as well. Uh, twenty two shots for Chelsea to Hecken's nine, nine on target for us to their three. We had sixty six percent of the possession, um, eighty five percent pass accuracy for us, seventy three percent for them. Five fouls for us, three for them, one yellow for them, four offside to them, two for us, and six corners, zero for them. I think. It's interesting when you look at the stats, the XG coming at us 1.4 for Chelsea, 0.8 for Hecken. Definitely felt like Hecken created dangerous breaks, um, which I think felt mm, scarier than sort of the, the stats make it look like. But I guess the XG also shows that um, a lot of the time, despite those breaks, they weren't actually able to get like shots off in dangerous areas.
1: I think I'm also right in saying that some XG calculations don't count. Cal- efforts to hit the woodwork
0: this would this would yeah that surprised me It's
1: that low then because i thought the certainly the xg for amber second effort i thought would have been higher
0: 0.08 for the second
1: shot really? yeah yeah I, I was looking again that, that's a really fascinating thing that, that shows you know from an eye standpoint because i thought that was the sort of thing i was a bit disappointed you know i was thinking if that was sam kirsch he probably finishes that but again i think that's probably due to the fact I've got used to Sam Kerr being Sam Kerr, but yeah, no, I think ultimately over the two legs, I, I dread to imagine what XG Chelsea ended up with between the two legs. Um, probably somewhere north of you know the three point some four mark or something. So, I think you probably have to say Chelsea did deserve it. I did deserve it on the night, but ultimately, heck, and I, I, yeah, I was more impressed by them this week than I was last week. I was really disappointed last week because I had been told they were very well drilled and good on the counter. And all they seemed to want to do was do a very good impression of Stoke City.
0: Yeah, I, I know. and there, there were points, you know, last night where they did sit back a bit more, but they, they balanced it, I think, with being willing to press at different points because I tweeted this, but, you know, having sat through... Hecken once, then Sheffield United, then <laughs> Bristol City, then Newcastle's impression of a low block after they'd been ahead. And then this, I was like, I just want to see a team try and play a bit of football. And to be fair, I feel like Hecken did the most, this version of Hecken did the most possible interpretation of that at points in this game. All right, we'll take a quick ad break here and then get into the game itself after this. So I think one of the most standout things early on, Rob, was that, and this was discussed uh, after the first leg, but but was understandably, given the temperatures, this was played on an artificial pitch. And you could tell, I think, that Chelsea weren't used to that. It felt very slow moving, which is not normally what I think of. Not ar- Normally with artificial pitches, I imagine everything, like, zipping everywhere. Um, but there definitely felt like the ball was holding up a lot. And I think early on it took Chelsea like, quite a lot of time to get used to that. Um, different tempo of the game as a result.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, look at those pass accuracies there. A- 85 is low for Chelsea women, and I suspect a good sort of... Um, a-, a large percentage of those passes were in that opening 15 minutes. I mean, there was one period, I think, in the opening sort of five minutes or so that really encapsulated everything, where Chelsea just passed it straight to a Hecken player, passed it straight back to a Chelsea player, went back to a Hecken player, and they passed it out of play. You know, you know it- it's a difficult task. At the end of the day, this was also why... Again, from the point of view, it was a sort of a game just you know to go out and win because you're not going to put on an artificial pitch every single game, and I don't expect the passing to be absolutely perfect on it, but I do think it was a little bit you know adapt to it and get used to it, and I do think to be fair we did settle quite well.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think early on it felt a bit ner- there were nervy moments. Obviously, there's the first Anna ambergard hitting the bar um, opportunity, but I think it did feel like. When we scored, that was going to settle us. Um, really nice work from Yana ristin basically just barging her way into the box. Um, I think everyone expected J.R.K. to suit playing back in Sweden and I think that did did prove to be the case. Um, and great movement from from Sam, her 99th Chelsea goal.
1: Yeah, another example of Jojo's amazing adventures on the wing.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I, I think, to be honest, J.R.K. has been, like for me, one of the revelations not Chelsea seen, but in the WSL this season. In that last year, there was someone who had so much... You could see the ability was there, but the confidence just wasn't there. And I think the fact that she had... It, it was the game against uh, Brighton, I think, when she came on at half-time. Or was... Or, no, no, she started the first half, barely saw the ball. And then in the second half, she started actually getting the ball and running her fullback. And you could see the confidence just start to come back. And, you know, she skinned the fullback several times. I think she got a couple of, she got at least one assist in that game, possibly also a pre-assist. And since then, she's actually realised that if you run at the fullback, and it's a it's a very, str- you know, big phenomenon, This, if you run at the fullback, most of the time, you will go past the fullback. And then you can cross it. And her own product is getting better and better. Um, you know, the ball in, again, it wasn't an easy finish. I think it's important to make this clear, but Samco made it look really easy. Like getting in front of that, I've seen plenty of times, other strikers getting across that, hash it over the bar, hash it into the defender, put it straight at the goalkeeper. But Kerr got the right amount of speed and power onto it to put it up into the roof of the net and give them no chance. And yeah, 99 goals. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? You've got the other choice: does she get the hundredth goal on the game where potentially her, a certain person makes their debut for West Ham, or does she get a hundredth goal chipping Mary Up's again?
0: No, like, you know, two beautiful Upps.
1: scenarios.
0: It's got to be Mary Earps. I think
1: Mary Earps would absolutely hate it,
0: to be honest, Yeah. Well, so, know,
1: potentially, she made it, but that may be a reason why she tries to speed up her transfer away. From <laughs> just, you know, because she doesn't want to get bullied by
0: again. But Yeah, potentially.
1: Considering that, you know, she's been here at the club for you know four years now. 99 goals in, in four years, especially from a flop, is just phenomenal. Just
0: yeah. Incredible, incredible goal scoring. And yeah, uh, just to touch on, on J R K and some of the stats, Um, nine progressive carries, the, the most for Chelsea in the game, uh, three attempted take-ons, two of which were successful. Um, that wasn't the highest, mainly because Aaron Cuthbert and Lauren James were on the pitch, but that's like a pretty good number, just generally uh, as it goes in a game. Um, Equaliser though, Rob, it came pretty soon after the opener and this felt like a bit of a sucker punch when it was just like... Just felt like we want, like wanted to be able to take some control of the game. It's an annoying goal because everything Hecken did with it was executed very, very well. But at the same time, it's a goal you just should not be conceding.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great sort of summary of it. it. From If you score the goal, you're really happy because you've exploited weaknesses in the opponent. If you concede it, you're looking at it and you're saying, well, firstly, the initial pass comes through too easily. I think Ash Lawrence should be anticipating it, maybe giving that extra yard because you're clearly not going to play the offside line. I think maybe that was part of the issue is they were trying to step up and play the offside line and catch him offside and that wasn't going to work. And then the ball in, I, I'm in two minds as to whether Jess Carter should get across her player and block it. it. It's a very good, it's a very well-executed header. I don't think you can really blame Musovic. It's a close range. Could Carter have maybe done a bit better? Perhaps, but again, these are the sort of goals where you're sort of saying, if that's Millie Bright in that position, you know, that's just being headed way over the sand and going out for a corner and reorganising for everything. So frustrating to concede it, but I don't think, you know, we, we can draw too much from it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't I don't really blame Jess because I think the problem is, is that it's Kadisha's movement, which I think, again, she has to... This is the thing. If a player gets done, then suddenly your defence has to move across and then players end up being free. And I think it's very hard for... And to be fair to Kadisha, she very nearly gets there. And it would have been, you know, like fantastic defending if she had, but it's not really her fortune. Yeah, I agree with you. It. it I think it's all about Lawrence's sort of failure to anticipate and then being kind of a yard off the pace. But um, equally, that they they executed it very very well. But just generally, that felt like there was this issue throughout the game where it was too easy to break on us, and they they were able to get too many runners there. Now I have a I don't want to say a scapegoat because that feels too harsh but I have a player who I think is part of the issue and unfortunately that is Sophie Ingle because I don't know if this was specifically the fact that she's it's Christmas and she's played a lot of minutes this season or if it was the pitch and it was like holding her up more but she did not move much in this game and I kind of tweeted this and people were like, oh, you know, yeah, but like she can pick out any pass. But I'm like, this isn't the game where you've got time to like pick out any pass across the pitch. Like this is two teams like going back and forth and there is a lot of running involved. And for me, I was just like, this doesn't work. She can't go forward and she can't go backwards and she's getting no time on the ball because are pressing. But then when counter counterattacking, she's stuck in the middle of the pitch because she can't turn and run as quickly as them. Mm.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think it's right. To, to me, I sort of said something Ingle for me is the sort of player that needs to be playing in the games against like Arsenal, where you need to be breaking up the passing lanes and being having players who were sitting in the position. Because what, what frustrated me in the game against Arsenal, there were tons of chances where if we broke the passing lane and broke that initial passing lane from Pullover or from Kim Little, there was absolutely yards of space behind. And obviously, we scored the one goal from that situation. There were so many occasions where if we'd have broke that passing lane, one ball over the top would have done. It. And no one was in there breaking that pass. that is what Ingle was really good at. However, in games like this, where the ball is zipping in and around her, I don't think, you know, you're playing to the player's strength. And I also don't think, you know, you're effectively playing, I think, not with, I'm not as harsh to say a player down, because that's not fair. But I think you're playing with someone who's severely impaired with what they can do. And, you know, I think Ingle, increasingly, I'd sort of saying, she needs to be saved, I think, for those really big games and save her legs so that she can be at top notch and top performance of big games. And maybe used as a substitute in games like this, where maybe, you know, you start with Nuskin and then you're bringing Ingle on maybe on the 70th minute if you've got a 2-0 lead to shore it up in the old John over Mikel role. But yeah, I, I think I think it's one of those things, in the longer term, this is where you see where Chelsea really miss Melanie Lopols. Because Lopols does what Ingle can do and is more mobile. And that's not being harsh on Ingle, it's just a state of fact.
0: Yeah, yeah, but Melanie Lopols still has that, the longest-running flu. No. Known to man, so who knows? I hope you get better over Christmas, Melanie. Um, Yeah, it is really interesting, and I think, obviously, there's an element like Ingle basically had to play against Bristol because we had no centre-back, so Nuskan had to play at centre-back. Something that I think's interesting is obviously Nuskan then came on for Ingle, and I think, really, for the first time this season, we sort of play, saw her play as a single pivot, as opposed to sort of having Erin almost a deeper and having... Nusken run around ahead of her but I think if we sort of talk about Erin now even before getting to, to her goals this game for me showed exactly why I think Erin can play as the deepest lying midfielder but you lose so much of her if you do because she was just all over the pitch and having her sort of in and around the penalty area being able to go past players take the ball past them and know that there's someone behind her is so so valuable in games like this.
1: Yeah, I think, think the one that really, the moment for me in the match was the best bit, was the turn in the first half from Aaron, because it was such a brilliant turn. It was on the, you know, in the half space, if they'd intercepted, they had a clear ball through to Larissa, and just got the turn off, brilliant turn, tried to hack her down, and I think in the end they did play advantage. And I actually want to praise the referee here, because so often I've seen players in that situation get that turn off, the advantage is played, and they don't come back and actually book the player. In this case, they actually came back and booked the player, and they said, Yeah, fair enough, because it was cynical, it was you know, it was designed purely to stop the player, but because of the momentum that Aaron was building up in the midfield, you just like a fre- yeah. The way I describe it is, you sort of like the most beautiful freight train in the midfield, you can't stop her, but there's an elegance about what she does. Um again, as I sort of said earlier, I think her technical qualities are vastly, vastly underestimated. I think. From a ball striking point of view, I really wish she'd shoot more because she's one of the purest ball strikers in the league, and I think in the team. And yeah, uh, you know she's getting better and better. Last week she was robbed of a phenomenal, what should have been a phenomenal assist, um, with the pass to J R K, where she shot straight at Falk, um, and that would have, you know, if that had been any other player, we'd have been seeing you know replays of that for the last sort of week if that had gone in and ended up in a goal. Um, but yeah, I just you know she is my far my favourite probably. Chesterwood player, I know a lot of people's favourite Chesterwood player, and yeah, again I think that with Nuskin in that pivot, you get so much more out for her, and I also think Nuskin looks a little bit more settled as much as I have enjoyed watching her rampage around as a sort of weird number 10 at the start of the season I think she looks better in that more settled position I really want to see a midfield three of uh, Cuthbert, Poles and Nuskin at some point, I think that could work really, really well
0: Yeah I, I definitely agree. And obviously it's been, I think it's been tough. I think a lot of our midfield issues this season have been really dictated by both sort of availability and having a new player come into, come into the side and, and settle in. Um, but we've seen so many rotations in there. And, and as you say, we've, we've probably still not even seen maybe what a first choice would midfield might look like. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how that potentially changes in the new year. But yeah, I mean both of Erin's goals just show exactly why you want her being able to be on the edge of the area. Maybe the second one in in particular actually just sort of being able to pop up in in space, um, as opposed to you know sort of driving with the ball and then finishing. Um, obviously coming off the back of a fantastic finish against Bristol City, she loves taking she loves taking those shots, and you know she's hit the bar for Chelsea about three or four times already this season. So feels like she's kind of cashing in some of those those chips for those goals, but we really needed, we really needed her in those moments. Like I feel like if it had gone on much longer without us scoring one and then being able to get, you know, the two goal advantage pretty soon after, it would have started to get nervy. And there were elements whereby I thought Chelsea felt nervous and you could tell that, you know, they knew the run hadn't been great regardless of the Bristol City win. And they also knew that they needed to win and Aaron just sort of came up clutch.
1: Yeah. so Someone... Someone gave a really good comparison for me of this one. Of it was a bit like, like, last week was a bit like Juventus sort of at home again. And someone sort of said, this is sort of what Juventus at home should have turned into, in that one of those chances eventually went in. And after one went in, you get that extra bit of confidence. You don't concede immediately afterwards like we did in the first half. And subsequently you go on and, you know, end up winning it semi-comfortably, I'd say. But I do think that, I think performances have to improve. I don't think you know, anyone can deny about that. But ultimately, I'm also of the belief you don't win a Champions League by playing brilliantly in every single game. And the group stage is a slog. Um, you know, this is the last year we're going to see it, but I think we can all agree, you know, it is a slog as a competition. There are good teams in the group stage. It's, it's not, you know, again, unless your name is Barcelona or Leon, you don't just get drawn against three teams You, you know, where the question is how many are you going to score against them. Um, and I think ultimately it's a great test because you play different types of teams. I don't think there's a team like Hecken in the WSL, to be honest, I can't think of anyone who's really that similar in the style of play, the physicality, but also the speed of counter-attacking. Um, you know, in many ways, they're sort of a much less polished Manchester City uh, would be the way I would sort of describe them. in The fact they've got good strikers up front, they've got speed on the wing, and they've got abilities to sort of you know play up, play forward, play very quickly in the verticals. So, yeah, I think ultimately from Chelsea's point of view, they needed a player to step up, Cuthbert stepped up, and yeah, yeah just phenomenal. Just phenomenal.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Tweet from Carlotta. Erin Cuthbert is one of the most underrated players on the planet. She's been carrying us for the past two seasons. Nick Villaney says, Erin Cuthbert is playing like Erin Cuthbert and that should worry every other team that Chelsea plays. Two goals tonight. Some stats from Amy. 93 touches for Erin. 58 out of 66 passes completed. 17 out of 20 in the final third. 13 times possession won. 3 out of 4 successful dribbles. 2 chances created. 2 out of 3 tackles won and 2 goals. I think that just sums up... you. You can't ask more of a midfielder that wins you back the ball, breaks up play, goes past players, creates chances, and then scores goals. That is the definition of sort of an all-round midfield. Um, talking just sort of briefly about our our fullbacks. Um, I thought this was another very quietly good game from Neve Charles. Even though Guru sort of ahead of her wasn't like having, uh, her best night. Um, Neve ended up top of shot creating actions with seven and two pre-assists for Ashley Lawrence um I know sort of there was a bit of criticism on on the goal we conceded but I think Lawrence is someone who's maybe taken a little bit of time to settle into this Chelsea team like understandably but it feels like now between her and Ev Perissette we've got two really like genuine options to to play on on that right fullback uh side and with Charles's suspension for the West Ham game I assume we might see uh, one of them at, at
1: left back in January? Yeah, I mean, I think for, first it's important to have a left back. By that point, we also might have Georgia Fox fully fit again. Um, I think, you know, I've been told her ACL recovery is almost complete. And um, I just will say, whatever ends up happening to her, I hope she goes on and ends up having a, you know, injury free career for the rest of it because she was getting to a point where she was actually really starting to kick on. I think, you know, before, you know, as I sort of said before, we had Aggie Beaver Jones and Amy Claypole and Keris Brown sort of coming through, we had Georgia Fox as the sort of great hope and obviously she has sort of had it massively sort of disrupted but yeah i think in many ways with lawrence is a bit similar to Perisay. Perisay took a little while to sort of settle down i think it was around last sort of february she just got to a point where suddenly every single week pretty much she was on the starting on the team she could start in that right back position i think it's you know a really good option obviously lawrence we said was called out for the goal but i think going forward she was very very good i think charles continues to be excellent this season uh, bar the you know red card at the weekend um yeah I think it's it's really nice because I think fullbacks one of those positions in the football pitch that is so often under sort of overlooked but one of the main reasons United are struggling for example this season is the fact that on a badge, there's a big on a badge size hole in the team um one of the main reasons Arsenal was struggling and you know failed to be Tottenham at the weekend last weekend was the fact that their fullbacks didn't turn up in the same way they did against Chelsea it's a criminally sort of under ignored position and I think having you know Players that are consistent in that position is the most important thing. It's all well good having players that can produce one world-class performance every five games, but I would rather have a player who, you know, week in, week out, is producing a seven out of ten in full-back because that's how you're going to, you know, do well. And that's what Barcelona have realised. That's why they, you know, brought on a badger in.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think Niamh is especially someone who who's now hit that where it's like, you know, it might not be ten out of ten every week or she's had a couple of those, but yeah, so sort of seven or eight, which is... I think just very very handy to have, especially when our defence has ended up being quite disrupted and at points Carter's looked a bit, uh, out of gas. Um, I will say having uh spoken about Eve, she had a bit of a mare right at the end of the the game as um, Hecken player managed to get in front of her, uh, and and score uh a goal which did end up being disallowed for offside, even though it very much wasn't um. Um, I'm counting this again as like what goes around comes back around. Sometimes you're unlucky in games. Sometimes you're lucky. I don't think it would have made much difference. It might have led to a slightly nervy minute at the end. But um, I like to think we'd have seen the game out at 3-2 regardless. But also, sure, go Linos.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I mean, last week I thought the Sam Kerr offside was tight as well for that yeah. goal. Um, I think if you'd have got the lines in place it, it would have been 50 50. this one was just blatant. I'd got no idea what the I was looking at um I, I increasingly do wonder with the with the uwCL like why the technology is available and we know semi And I appreciate you've got situations where teams are playing in sort of small stadiums but the whole point in playing in larger stadiums and be able to play in large stadiums was to be able I thought to access the technology you have on the men's side of the tournament in order to improve the decision-making. I've just got no idea why we're not utilising it. It's seems stupid. It, again, I wasn't sure if goal-line technology was in use yesterday. There seemed to be some debate as to whether that was in use, but it seems absolutely stupid that we've got things, certainly with goal-line tech, we've got something we know that works, and yet we're just choosing not to use it because, you know, progress.
0: Yeah, I know it's one of those things. I know lots of people have like different feelings on VAR, etc. I'm personally still in favor of it, but I understand why some people enjoy the women's game for for not having it. Um, but yeah, I I still think overall I'd I'd prefer to have it. Um, because I think it's fine when you can be like, oh yes, you know, like. Sometimes you, you get some, sometimes you don't get some, but also sometimes they can be a real uh, killer <laughs> or, the, or the decisions that get made. So, um, all right. I think generally, Rob, my feeling from summing up this match would be that this break is uh, needed and deserved. And I'm hoping everyone sort of comes back in January able to be a bit more refreshed.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I mean, um, I mean we're hoping by January, you know, Millie Bright might be back. Uh, Katarina Macario is now back in, I understand, sort of at least semi-team training or maybe in full team training. So it might be a chance to finally actually see her. And I think that's what a lot of fans are most excited for. Um Yelena Shankovic might return from her injury. Melanie Leopold might finally overcome this flu. And we actually might look like we have options again. Um, as I sort of said it's been sort of testament to Chelsea of the fact that you haven't really noticed it too much, but Throughout this entire first half of the season, I don't necessarily think at any point they could have picked their full first choice starting eleven in a game for one reason or another. And it will be fascinating to see what that does manifest as. I also do think in January, due to Nowen's injury and the number of games we'll have, that they will look at bringing in a player. Um, I've heard names at sort of centre back that have been sort of floated around. The obvious one everyone you know is excited for is the idea of Naomi Germa, but I don't think it will be Naomi Germa. Certainly not on a permanent deal. It would be a loan deal at best. There are, you know, there are options, I think, in the market, but Chelsea also are conscious that they've got a big squad anyway and they don't want to just overload it. They have players that can play at centre-back if they need, albeit then you're taking options out of other positions. So I think it's all a bit of a balancing act. Um, The one I'm really excited to see in the second half of the season play more is Micah Hamano, because I thought she came on and looked really, really bright against Bristol City. Um, And I think, you know, having those options and those different, you know, younger options, maybe if games aren't working, you can throw on, Aggie Beaver Jones to be chaotic or Hermano to offer that creative spark, Macario to offer that, you know, just all round excellence. It it's gonna add a lot more to the team.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think um there's gonna be obviously a lot more options. I think even when you're looking at I feel like Aggie Beaver Jones is a great example of someone who who's coming to the team and um had a really great purple patch and then maybe has been sort of thrown on in different games and hasn't necessarily had the same impact. But I think, you know, um, what she's going to have taken from this first half of the season is going to be really crucial in the second half. Uh, equally, I'll just shout out Mia official as well because every time she's come on, I've been really impressed, particularly with her, her hold-up play. And I think it's really, really telling that even though the game... OK, there was like a two goal advantage, but clearly Heckam was, was you know, still in it to a certain extent. I thought it was really telling that sort of Fischl and Beaver Jones were like trusted to to come on. Whereas I feel like you could see earlier in um, some of those matches, the Real Madrid away match, for example, there wasn't, I think, that same trust of those players on the bench. Um, player of the match, Rob, I feel like this is a bit of a foregone conclusion, although we did do a poll. There was a discussion about whether we should just have it as, you know, sort of cuth, but but um, we did put um, J R K Neve and Sam in it as well. Uh, but the Erin's not running away with it as much as I thought. She's on sixty six percent of the vote. But this is my third consecutive Erin Cuthbert Player of the Match award that I'm giving.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm I am I, I, I put it on record. I would give it to Erin Cuthbert, but I'm going to try and change the tune slightly to give someone else. Considering that Sam did a passable impression last week of a hack, a heckin player for the entire game with <laughs> the amount she passed it to them. I thought yesterday, you know, she was back to her absolute best. You saw the real quality in the finish, but also in the hold-up play, there were a couple of <clears throat> really, really nice layoffs, some really good runs in behind. And, you yeah, know, she's a world class striker. You know, you expect it from her. I think one of the things we, I sort of said, a lot of time we take it for granted is how good exactly Sam Kerr is. And I think, you know, at times she's held up to standards that other players don't get put anywhere near that sort of pedestal and get put by it. And, you know, what is a what is a good game for other players is an average game for Sam Kerr, just because what you expect um, is just a yeah, phenomenal footballer pleasure to watch. And, you know, hopefully she might be staying at Chelsea for a little while longer.
0: Yeah. Well, hold your horses on that one. We're just going to get to that. Um, I'll just run through our, our table. Um, so we are now top. We're on eight points. second are on seven. Paris FC on six. As I said before, Real Madrid are out there on one point, but basically the way other points will have to be distributed between chelsea Hecken, and paris fc means that regardless of if they win their last two games um they cannot go through um yeah i mean it is kind of funny they basically conceded a penalty that definitely wasn't a penalty uh but also at the same time i'm like they're yet to win a single game and their solo point came from um winning a penalty that wasn't a penalty so as i said earlier karma
1: i think we're also right in saying that if we win our next match and paris fc uh draw with yeah Paris FC draw with hecken um we're guaranteed to top the group
0: um let me do the maths on that Uh yeah because we'll have
1: superior head to head against we'd champion. have 11
0: a point 11 bo- no i guess that would depend uh yes because we'd have superior head to head with hecken i think that makes sense <laughs> i just google when uefa put the permutations out just google champions league permutations that's that's the best way to do it. They explain it, you know. The Real Madrid one was confusing me no end, but I Googled Champions League permutations and UEFA explained it to me. Um, so that's what we'll wait and see. But yes, I, we can um, sort of finish this whole group up if, if we beat Real Madrid and then results go our way. So let's hope we beat Real Madrid. But finally, as sort of Rob uh, has into that uh, throughout this, there was some Chelsea adjacent news that came out just before this match, which is that, uh, West Ham of all people are set to complete the signing of U.S. Women's National Team midfielder Christy Mears from Gotham FC. Um, official announcement uh expected later this week. Rob, this is great news.
1: Yeah, it, I I did sort of joke. It was quite funny because I think Sam at some point named uh, Katrina Gory as her best friend in the, um, in the Oz National Team, and also obviously it's well known of her relationship with Christy Mears, um. And it's quite funny now, both of them have decided that they want to come to West Ham. Uh, I'm sure the prospect of jelly deals and, you know, the influence of Only Fools and Horses played a big part in the decision. Uh, I think, yeah, it's ultimately, from a personal point of view, it's good for both of them. I'm really pleased actually to see that Mewis has taken the plunge to go from a team that obviously won there. Obviously, you won the equivalent of the fails last year and won sort of, you know, the top prize to come into a relegation battle. I actually think she'll do quite well in it, bizarrely. Um, I think she'll add something really good to the WSL. And yeah, from a Chelsea point of view, it means that hopefully Sam can, you know, settle in London. So that's sort of, you know, only a a good thing. I think that it, just on sort of a more sort of serious sort of note, I think it's such a strange thing in the women's game that things like this can be taken as uh, such barometers for other stuff. I can't think of any other sport where it's quite like it. And in a way in a way I do wonder if it's a good thing because obviously there's so much sort of privacy and sort of you know issues around privacy that have been discussed but I also do think that ultimately because people now know that this is happening hopefully if they do see them you know out in London or things like that they do know to just give them the space and accept they are you know they are a young couple they deserve as much privacy you know as they can be afforded and while they are you know Sam Kerr is in a position where she is eminently recognizable obviously Christy Mewis isn't quite in that same bracket, I think certainly in England to the average fan. Um, I mean, a funny story. A few years ago, when I was at Kings Meadow, one day, uh, Christy Mewis was there. Um, and someone obviously didn't recognise who she was and asked her to take a photo of her because Hannah Hampton was also at the game as well. And they asked Christy Mewis to take a photo of them and mm-hmm. Hannah Hampton, um, which did you know bemuse me certainly no end. <laughs>
0: yeah that, that's great um, no uh, I, I just think wow we'll all be really shocked when Sam still ends up going to the NWSL and Christy really is just at West Ham to taste I mean, that sweet sweet relegation battle adrenaline
1: Sam is actually now joining West Ham in January on loan <laughs> wow. to save West Ham for
0: relegation yeah, yeah, um, yeah obviously we will keep you updated if there's any Sam Kerr news uh, to come but Um, I'm just glad after uh, I will say on the privacy thing, you, you, I obviously totally agree, but it does make me laugh when they'd literally released an interview that would obviously have been extensively signed off by their agent saying, Oh, yeah, we're house hunting in London. Um, So (laughs) there we go. Um, They, I, I am intrigued as to where they choose to end up because West Ham and Chelsea are on opposite sides of London, but I'm sure. Um, they will be able to make that work. It's certainly closer than New York. OK, Rob, thank you very, very much for joining me today. Really, really appreciate you coming on the show. Obviously, it's the Christmas break now, but we will still have episodes out for you. And then Chelsea are back for that game against West Ham in the FA Cup, the sort of potential uh, initial Kermuist derby. Um, I, I will say I actually... Uh, had heard about this Muir's news when I did the draw and it was my first thought and it did make me laugh a lot. Um, And then obviously Man United visit visit the bridge in our first WSL game back. So um, we should be having an episode out before Christmas other than this one. But if we don't um, have a very happy Christmas or just happy holidays, if you don't celebrate, thank you all for listening this year we really really appreciate um, you guys as always and until we speak to you again you know what to do Chelsea fans keep the blue flag flying high